completely different. We're gonna bring, bring it all together. Cause that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call and join in on the conversation. You can email us anytime, bottomlinealex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, Doug Flynn, an 11-year Major League Baseball veteran, Gold Glove winner in 1980 and a member of the Cincinnati Reds 1975 and 1976 World Series champions will join us to talk baseball, the differences in the game today and when he played. We talk about all players from Pete Rose and Johnny Bench to Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez. So if you want a former player's perspective on old school baseball compared to today, you've come to the right place. That's coming up later in the show. And, of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. And if you don't think we are going to gloat about going on ESPN Radio here in Lexington yesterday and giving out the worst team in Major League Baseball as our big underdog, our big Mac Daddy Stogie for yesterday, and watching them win and cash that ticket, you're wrong. All this and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition. Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio show. But first, Miss Judy. Happy Mother's Day to you and yours out there. We have not forgotten about that. Regular listeners to this show know that I always give a shout-out to Miss Judy before the show starts. Mainly, I'm just reminding her to take her meds and so she can continue to live a healthy and happy life. But it makes her feel good to hear her name referred to on the radio because Lord knows she doesn't miss one second of this show. All the stories I tell on here, I hear about them later from Miss Judy. Some of the stories she doesn't believe, and those are usually the ones that are 100% true. But I owe Miss Judy quite a bit on this Mother's Day. I've been very fortunate in this world to have the life that I've had. I got a great education, living in Atlanta for decades, being able to help people every day. I couldn't have had any of that without the help and the drive that my mother gave me. And I'm very grateful. And knowing this, the main reason I left Atlanta and moved back here to Kentucky was because of my mother, who needed just a little bit of help at the time. Not much. She could have survived without me, but she deserved a little bit better than what she had at the time. So on this Mother's Day, Miss Judy, and all mothers out there, you all deserve special recognition. I would have never been fortunate enough to have the experiences I've had or the life that I've had without my mom. And I know most of you, whether your mother is still with us here on earth or not, are in the same boat. So if you're able to see your mom today, or at least get in contact with her in some way, make sure you do so. Stop by somewhere and pick up some flowers, like I do. But of course, I cheat a little bit. I always go to like Kroger. I go on like Wednesday or Thursday before Mother's Day, when the flowers are still $10 a dozen. Because today, they're going to be hiked up to like $25, $30, $40. You're, going to, you're not going to get away with the cheapie like I did. It's amazing how they... Hike up the prices on these flowers right on Mother's Day. Uh, it's funny how that works, huh? Yeah. Just don't tell Miss Judy that. I get her those cheap flowers early in the week. She has no idea the difference. I've been doing it for years. Just don't tell her. But seriously, buy your Mother's Day flowers early in the week next year. I'm just saying. It makes a big difference. Anyway, the only re- reason you're hearing me this morning 
on this radio station and cashing tickets off our Mac Daddy Stogie picks. Those are coming up later in the show, too. The only reason you're hearing me right now is because of Miss Judy. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, and especially to you, Miss Judy. So take your meds this morning, will you? That's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Enough silliness. Get back to what you're on the radio for in the first place. Picking winners, talking about gambling. Nobody wants to hear about your mom talking about gambling. Well, if you're the Reds, how do you come off a Friday night game where your pitcher threw a no-hitter? Well, of course, you lose a 9-2 game the next night in Cleveland in a game that was basically over after six innings. We said on this show yesterday that Cleveland was the play in this game based on the starting pitching mismatch. And that's exactly what we got. Luis Castillo continued his mystery season, going only four innings, giving up four earned runs, but six total, only striking out two. Castillo, your opening day starter, now has an ERA of 6.42. Only bright spot for the Reds, Tyler Naquin hit his seventh home run of the season. Basically a part-time player. Naquin had five home runs on April 9th, and now it's May the 9th, and he has seven. Just saying. But, of course, the poster child for the Reds' underachieving mystery tour this season, Eugenio Suarez, another 0-for-4 night. His batting average now stands at 130. The Mendoza line would look great to him right about now. Suarez, 15 hits and 115 at-bats. He's already made 100 outs this season. And they've already moved him down to fifth in the lineup. Probably needs to go down further in the lineup, if you if not replaced totally. But here's a lazy sports talk radio question for you. How long can you keep trotting Suarez out there every night when he's the worst hitter in Major League Baseball so far this season? That's actually a fair question, but I digress. Today, in a game you can listen to right here on ESPN Radio 1392.5, at 12.40 this afternoon, the sixth and final game this season for the Battle of Ohio. Something that we all look forward to, I'm sure, every year. The Reds are up 3-2 to two so far, so this is huge. Well, actually, it's just one of 162 games. But we love pomp and circumstance here on this show. Tyler Malley goes for the Reds, 1-1, one 3.23 one, ERA. Sam Hentges, 1-0 with a 5 ERA. We'll go for Cleveland. We don't have much on Hentges. This is his first career start. He's pitched four games out of the bullpen in his career. Nine innings pitched, five earned runs, ERA plus 87. If you can take anything from that out to the desert, take, take it with you, be my guest. We don't have much. But we do have a history on Tyler Malley. Coming off his worst start of the season, allowing six earned runs in five innings against the Cubs, Malley now sitting with a 3.23 ERA. We always remember how to pronounce Malley's last name by remembering it rhymes with 10-run rally. But history tells us it's a bad investment, backing Tyler Malley out in the desert. It's 67 career starts. The Reds are 28 and 39 when Malley starts. Return on investment, negative 11.7%. If you've blindly put $1 on the Reds every time Malley started in his entire career, you'd be down $7.85. But it gets worse when Malley's on the road. Malley's career road ERA, 4.38, but the Reds are 14-23. and In Malley's 37 career road starts, that's a negative return on investment, 
15.6%. And what's worse for the Reds today? Malley has gone longer than five innings only once in his six starts this year. And with the second-worst bullpen in Major League Baseball just waiting to ruin it for him, that isn't a good sign either. So there's not much in the history that tells us that Malley is worth your hard-earned money out in the desert today. And with all that, the Reds are a minus-135 favorite out in the desert to win this game. Yes, Het just is making his first career Major League start. But don't forget, Cleveland has the best bullpen in Major League Baseball to back him up. The Reds have the exact opposite for Tyler Malley. Let's just face it, Cleveland, probably the better team, definitely has the better bullpen. They have the home field. The unproven starter for Cleveland can be overcome when you have that other stuff to help him out. If you're playing this game out in the desert, for me, it's just like we said yesterday on the show. It's Cleveland or nobody, especially at the number that it is right now, especially if Cleveland stays an underdog, which looks like they will because they're a sizable underdog right now. I know the Reds nation doesn't want to hear this, but in saying things like, how can you pick against the Reds every day? You guys are the voice of the Reds. That is true. But we tell it like it is on this show because we're trying to cash tickets. If you want to win out in the desert consistently, you have to be able to be on your team one night and against them the next and not blink an eye, not get emotional over this stuff. People ask me all the time, who's your favorite team? And I always answer, whoever I pick to win that night. And it's true. I don't care who wins these games on a personal level as long as I'm on the right side out in the desert. And yes, I want the Reds to win. If the Reds win, more people listen to this station, more people listen to this show, which means more money for this company and more money, hopefully, eventually, in my pocket. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we still live in the real world, and we are just trying to cash tickets. Cleveland is an underdog. It's the play today in this one. And it's Mac Daddy Stogie worthy if we hadn't just spent five minutes on it. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Tether, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. You know, we haven't talked about anything University of Kentucky sports since March on this show. Oh, yeah. They had the Rifleman team win the championship, the Chuck Connors. Chuck Connors was a coach, I guess. Old school people know that reference. And the, what team was it? The volleyball team. That's it. They won, too. We didn't talk about that either. But, hey, the basketball team actually made news yesterday. It's official. Kentucky has two new assistant coaches. Retread, Orlando Antigua, and Ron Chin Coleman. Do we know why he goes by Chin? I saw a picture of the guy. His chin looks just the same as everybody else's. I mean, Jay Leno, Bill Cower, Peter Griffin. Now, those are Chins. Anyway, Kentucky basketball gets some recruiters in town. Some new recruiters, actually. Orlando Antigua left Kentucky six years ago for South Florida. Let's tell you what other people in this town won't tell you or won't remind you about this guy. Let's just say it didn't go very very well for Mr. Antigua down at uh, South Florida. 23-55 and as a head coach, and he, quote-unquote, had no idea that his brother was providing housing and other benefits for the recruits. There were academic issues, tutors allegedly doing work, Antigua lying to the NCAA, you know, just the normal stuff that happens in big-time college basketball this year. Nobody here is talking about stuff like that, though, as Antigua has made his triumphant return to Lexington. So all is forgiven, kind of. 
Big Blue Nation has to be excited, I guess, about getting Antigua back. But come November, we'll be hearing the same stuff around here that we hear every single year. The new players in town are amazing, and this is a Final Four caliber team, and they'll be ranked in the AP Top 10 preseason poll, lather, rinse, repeat. But keep in mind, this has happened every year under Calipari, including in 2013 when Kentucky didn't make the NCAA tournament and last season, the worst season in the history of the school, and we all remember how terrible that went. So if you live in the real world, like we try to, you might want to wait until March to talk about anything Final Four related in terms of expectations for this team. But as we all know here in Lexington, we don't live in the real world when it comes to Kentucky basketball. Most of the Big Blue Nation doesn't always live in the real world. It will be another November, though, with the same hype as usual, whether they deserve it or not, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break, we're going to hit the NBA a little bit for a minute. And then, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie picks coming off, literally picking the worst team in Major League Baseball yesterday to win. And lo and behold, they cash tickets. Cashing tickets and stacking papers next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you for joining us on this Mother's Day Sunday. We appreciate it very much. Happy Mother's Day to you and yours out there. We, uh, we don't talk a lot of regular season NBA on this show. Uh, we've talked about it before, why we don't. Uh, it's, it's difficult to handicap these uh, regular season NBA games these days. Load management, trying to keep up with who's playing and who's not playing. It was tough back in the old days when everybody played all 82 games a season, but it's even more difficult now because, you know, you got to wait till about an hour before game time just to see who's actually playing. We love to handicap the NBA playoffs because we kind of know what to expect, but the regular season, it's tough. No such thing as load management in the playoffs. That's why we don't talk about the NBA very much until they do reach those playoffs. But last night, Russell Westbrook tied the all-time record for triple doubles. So now here comes the MVP talk. Oh, he won the MVP four years ago when he averaged a triple-double, quite possibly the least deserved MVP in NBA history, but I digress. But the desert thinks this is silly talk, as Nikola Jokic from the Nuggets, a huge 13, minus 1,300 favorite to bring home the NBA MVP award this season, and he deserves it. He's been the best player, the most efficient player in the league, and it's not even close. Westbrook sitting at 240-1 to one to win the MVP, mainly because his team's not very good, fighting to get the very last playoff spot, the newly created last playoff spot, thanks to LeBron's idea. Now he immediately regrets that decision. But why is he even getting any talk today? The term triple-double. Ice Cube, he taught us 30 years ago. He, all you have to do is just mess around. And, got a, and he got a triple-double. That was a good day. But we are infatuated with numbers in sports. And that goes for the triple-double, too. When Westbrook averaged that triple-double back in four years ago, he was given the MVP. He wasn't the best player in the league, but they gave him to it. 
Why? He averaged a triple-double. Years later, voters regret that decision. I'll promise you, a lot of the people that voted on that, they have a little egg on their face now. It's kind of like in 2012 in Major League Baseball, Miguel Cabrera was given the American League Most Valuable Player when he got the triple crown. Batting average, home runs, RBIs. The first time that had been done since the 60s. But Mike Trout was easily the best player in the league that season. Don't believe me? Go look it up. I'm not going to sit here and rattle off all these numbers. But Mike Trout was so much better than Miguel Cabrera, but they gave him the MVP because of the Triple Crown. Any year that a relief pitcher won a Cy Young Award with 50-plus saves, you can't give a Cy Young to a guy that pitches 75 innings over a guy who pitches 200 innings. That's crazy talk. It's like giving an MVP to a platoon outfielder that plays only the games that the left-handed pitchers throw. Think about it. But all this Westbrook MVP talk, because we are infatuated with the triple-double, is just crazy talk. That's not just me. That's the desert, too. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Now it's time. For the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate picking a winner? Just be like me and head on down to Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing and light up that Mac Daddy Stogie even before the game ends. As they say down at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us. Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. And when you get down there, just tell our friends Jake and Autumn that the bottom line sent you. That's jakescigarbar.com. Here we go. Time to start gloating again. Last weekend, we gave you two underdog winners in Major League Baseball on Saturday and Sunday. And then yesterday, we had the nerve to give out the absolute worst team in Major League Baseball, the Detroit Tigers, to win as a plus 170 underdog. And that came home a winner and cast a big ticket. Ask yourself an honest question here. What other talk show in Lexington, or most other markets around here for that matter, has the guts to go on the radio and tell you to take the worst team in Major League Baseball to win that day and then actually give you statistical analysis to back it up. You can say this show is different from anything else in Lexington, and I agree, but I can promise you nobody backs up what we say with numbers and research like we do. Okay, enough gloating. We don't want to break our arms patting ourselves on the back. People don't care about yesterday. They care about today. We live through the windshield, not the rearview mirror, and as Janet Jackson said, what have you done for me lately? Other than the Twins, favorites went 10-4 and four in Major League Baseball yesterday. But our picks for today, we're looking at a couple underdogs. Like we mentioned first in the first segment of the show, Cleveland is an underdog at home against the Reds today. It's good value. We talked about it in the first segment. Yes, you have a pitcher making his first Major League start. But if you look at the Reds and their bullpen, Tyler Malley not pitching very well right now. It's great value if you're looking for Cleveland. But who has the most value today? It's easy. I'm looking at teams. I look at Milwaukee, Kansas City, Seattle. Those are all teams you probably should look at if you're playing the card today. But the play is Arizona versus the Mets. Why? Jacob DeGrom back for the Mets. He was supposed to pitch on Tuesday, mysteriously had an injury, and was skipped. And now, allegedly, everything is fine, and he's back 100% ready to pitch today. No time on the injured list, but he hasn't pitched for 10 days now. Yeah, do you believe that? You believe he's ready to go 100%? Just like nothing? Just skip one start? Oh, back to normal? Or are you like us? And you think where there's smoke, there's a fire. 
Jacob DeGrom is a great pitcher, probably the best in Major League Baseball when he's healthy. Key phrase, when he's healthy. We aren't 100% convinced he's ready to go seven innings today, much less nine. But, oh, are you getting value with Arizona today? Arizona on a five-game losing streak. DeGrom back for the Mets. Look at the odds. This morning when I was doing research on it, the Mets were minus 330 out in the desert. Right now, the wise guys, I think they're thinking along the lines that I am today, that the Mets are very highly overpriced. This line has been dropping since that 330 we saw this morning. But you're still getting a ton of value with the Diamondbacks. But why would you ever go against the best pitcher in Major League Baseball? Must be the best bet on the board every day that he pitches. Really? It is history. The Mets are 98-89 and when DeGrom starts. He's always overvalued. If you put $1 on the Mets, every time DeGrom has started for the Mets in his career, you'd be down $17.29. That's a negative 9.2 return on investment. This is the absolute best pitcher in Major League Baseball for the last four years, and you're losing money on him. Seriously. Like I said earlier, we give you research you won't get anywhere else in this town. I can promise you. And most people in this town, if they tried to talk about this on the radio, either they'd get a headache or they just their head would explode. Oh, but who cares about 2017? What about now? He's the best pitcher now. Tell me about this season. Don't tell me about the past. Okay, I'll tell you about this season. When DeGrom has started for the Mets this year, he's 2-3. and three. $1 on every DeGrom start, you're down 230 And now you're asking me to take Jacob DeGrom as a minus 330 favorite when he's coming off an extremely mysterious week when he had to skip a start on Tuesday? Uh-uh. Serious value on Arizona and the Diamondbacks today. DeGrom is great, but there's too many red flags here. Arizona is easily the value play today. Sometimes you just got to get your ticket, hold your nose, and hope you survive or stinker. This is one of those days. Arizona getting huge value against a horribly overvalued Jacob DeGrom, your Mac Daddy Stogie of the Day, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break, you'll really enjoy this conversation if you're a Major League Baseball fan, and especially if you're a fan of the old Big Red Machine. Doug Flynn, a member of those World Series champions in 75 and 76 and an 11-year veteran, he will join us, and we'll talk about all kinds of Major League Baseball. It's coming up after the break right here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5, the bottom line with Brad Taylor. And our next guest is a man who needs no introduction to any Reds fan from the Big Red Machine days. He's an 11-year Major League Baseball veteran. He was a member of the 1975 and 1976 World Series champion Reds. And, yes, he was the gold glove winner in 1980 with the Mets. He's Doug Flynn. Doug, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brad. It's always good to talk a little baseball and a little bit of everything else. Uh, So, yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. I'm looking out my window from my office and just thinking, you know, I probably ought to be fishing. Amen. That's that's probably the best thing we could be doing today. But speaking of fishing, you've got a lot of stuff going on right now, especially with your children's charity. Tell us what you've got going on, Doug. Yeah, this will be, of course, we were supposed to have a big celebration on our 40th year, but COVID kind of ruined that, so we didn't have an event last year. So we pushed it back, and in 40 years, we've raised about $17 million for kids in central Kentucky, and well, actually all across the state. So 
we have narrowed it down to a one-day event this year. We're still going to do it. Um, missing two years, I think, would be awful for our event. So it'll be June the 25th. It's the Children's Charity Golf Classic hosted by myself, Johnny Bench, and Matthew Mitchell. And we're hoping to put a bunch of money into the hands of some of these kids. Uh, yeah, it's been a pretty good run over all these years. I'm very pleased and very proud of the folks that have been volunteers and our board and staff for all of these wonderful years of service. Amen. That's great work, and that's uh, great stuff to hear. I hope that uh, it all gets, uh, goes off without a hitch this year with uh, due to the COVID. But let's talk about a little baseball, some real, right. ba- some real baseball. Let's look at this year's Reds team. You're familiar with them a little bit. Before the season, the experts out in the desert said that this team would win 81 and a half games this year. And we sit here right now, they're about 500, so it's about expectations, but it's been a roller coaster ride to get to that 500 record. Your thoughts on this team about a month into the season now, where they should be and where you see them going forward? Well, I'm not embarrassed, but uh, I really haven't kept up with them that much this year. I've kind of lost a little interest in them. Uh, Of course, I'm on the board with the Reds Hall of Fame, so... We've got a lot of wonderful things that we're getting done in the community, and uh, that's really been a real joy and blessing for me. But as far as the Reds, I know that they've been a little inconsistent. Uh, The first part of the year when they jumped out to a big lead, I think they had them as the second coming of the Big Red Machine. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to be careful when you start throwing that label out there. It's a lot of pressure on some guys. And the Big Red Machine was a pretty good ball club, so – I don't understand, uh, you know, why they would want to try to do something like that other than the fact that they're trying to get some people to start taking an interest in the team. I think overall baseball attendance is probably down a little bit, and that's not just the COVID, but baseball, in my opinion, is going to have to do something to get uh, the fans back into the game. Uh, It's a new breed of baseball players. They've kind of – the ownership and people around it are all into the sabermetrics. Well, you know, I guess that's good, but for the purists, you better bring some more. I mean, where's the days of the Billy Martin and the Lou Pinella and the Earl Weaver arguing with the umpires? You know, that's what people came to the ballpark to see. Uh, Now they're making the game so sterile uh, that I just, you know, I find it hard to even watch it sometimes myself. But as for the Reds, you know, they're at 500, and I guess that's better than uh, what a lot of people some people thought that they might be a little bit better, but they're still trying to find their way. they got a lot of offensive weapons, but you know, right now uh, it's going to be all about the consistency. And the only thing that I really think is really a, was a bad move was moving Eugenio Suarez to shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you had a guy who was a, a solid third baseman, gold glove potential, uh, who could really swing the bat. Now he's got so many other things on his mind by moving to a new position. It can affect you. I've had to do that a, a little bit in my career. So, you know, I never understood that move. And, you know, right now it hadn't paid off. No, it hasn't. Suarez down at the bottom and basically every hitting statistic in the league. But you brought up something very interesting. You talk about how the game has changed. And you played in the 70s and 80s. And we look at a guy, you talk about old school, Tony La Russa, who was just in Cincinnati this past week, 76 years old, and people are already questioning him for his tactics, saying they're too a little bit antiquated, maybe not up to speed from where baseball managers are today. Do you think the game was played better 
back in your day? I know you're biased, but it's, was it played better back then than it is today with all these analytics? I, I think no doubt it was played better because it was played the way the game was invented to be played. You know, now they want to move the mound. They want to move the bases. They don't want you to have contact at home plate, contact on double plays. You know, that was part of the gamesmanship. Uh, so they, they – they've really taken away some of the stuff that used to be an art. It was an art to block the plate and not get your head beat in. Johnny Bench was as good as anybody. And there's been a lot of catchers that were, it was an art around second base to turn the double play and avoid the contact. Now they've made it so anybody can go out there just about because you can't slide in and, and take a guy out on a double play. There's no bunting anymore. You find that's a lost art. Guys can't bunt. Uh, there's very little hit and run. The stolen base is gone in the game. Those were exciting things that made the game better. And, you know, I don't care, Brad, what kind of stat they give you that is supposed to be the best stat in baseball, whatever, spin ratio, launch angle. The best stat is how many wins did you end up with. And I don't care how you got to that point. If you were able to play winning baseball, that'll put people in the stands. But, you know, right now it's strikeouts and home runs. And, uh, to me, it's pretty boring. You played with Pete Rose. Everybody remembers Pete Rose running over Ray Fossey back in the early the 70s. All-Star game. Yes, in the yeah. All-Star game, a meaningless game. And then, a few years ago, earlier last decade, Buster Posey was a catcher. They ran over him. They changed the entire rules just because they ran over Buster Posey. That's, you yep. know, that's where we are in baseball today. Yeah, and if you look at that, Buster Posey would probably be the first to tell you he did not have himself in a good position. Yep. So he gets run over. They change the rules. You know, it, uh, it look back at some of the days when Hal McRae was taking out people at second base. I mean, what you do is if a guy gets to the point where it's malicious and there's a difference between malicious and then a good baseball play. Shoot, I was watching a college game last night at Kentucky, and a guy slides straight into home plate, takes the catcher out. The catcher jumps up and gets mad and gets in the runner's face. It was just a good baseball play, and uh, I just I hate seeing what they're doing to our game now. And you know, you start the next innings with a man on second base. Uh, you're thinking of outlawing the shift because guys can't hit the ball the other way. That is ludicrous to me. You mean to tell me that you can adjust to a 98 or 99 mile an hour fastball and hit it out of the park, but you can't adjust to hit the ball the opposite field? So you're going to outlaw the shift? You know, shift's not anything new. It's been going on. Forever. I remember when we played against Willie Stargell or Dave Kingman or Willie McCovey. You know, they shifted. Johnny Bench used to get shifted on all the time. You just that you take your chance. But shoot, Johnny Bench, if he told us uh, a reporter one day, if they'd have continued with the shift on every time, he'd have hit 400 because he had no trouble hitting the ball the other way. But, yeah, it's just with La Russa coming and bringing some old school things back into the game, I'm sure it's going to stir up some of this young ownership and uh, some of these young players that don't know anything except for the sabermetrics they've been taught. Right. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor here with Doug Flynn, former major leaguer, 11 years, former gold glove winner and member of the 75-76 Reds World Series champions. You mentioned La Russa. Back in the 80s, he was kind of the, I don't want to say innovator, but he was the first guy to come in to the and say, okay, Here's the you're going to pitch in the seventh inning. 
You are going to pitch like a Rick Honeycutt. You're going to pitch the eighth inning. Dennis Eckersley, you're going to pitch the ninth inning. Everybody had roles on those Oakland A's teams in the 80s. Back when you were playing, back in the 70s, I remember 74, Mike Marshall. He, he won a Cy Young pitching 208 innings all out of the bullpen. If you do that today, the managers get thrown in jail. You can't do that today. The bullpen usage today compared to what it was back then, is that another problem that you see in baseball? I don't know if it's it's a problem. I don't particularly like it all, but you're exactly right. Matter of fact, Mike Marshall was my first at bat in the big leagues. Oh, really? And, yeah. <laughs> and I had to punch. I had a, it was a first game of the season, uh tie ball game, and I went in and I think, I don't know what inning it was, and I had to punt. So, uh, but he had a good screwball, and I remember Pete Rose telling me, and I didn't know what a screwball was. He said, he'll probably throw it to you, but he didn't. He threw me fastball, so I butted the guy over. But anyway, you know, you look at Sparky, the things he would do. He started, he had a knack for knowing when to pull a pitcher. Of course, Johnny Bench helped him a lot with that because yeah. Johnny could tell the guy was, you know, getting a little soft. But, uh, yeah, there there was a, a guys. there was nothing to go in there. And so they even had to change that rule. So if you come in, you got to pitch the three batters now instead of having that one classic. You know, the game 150 years ago, how did – Mr. Doubleday and those other folks know that 90 feet was just enough down the line so there was going to be bang-bang plays. How did they know that putting seven people out there behind uh, your pitcher, that if you wanted to be really successful, all you had to do is get three out of ten times and you were going to be considered a great player? How did they know to station those players out there like that? They invented a really good ball game, and I think if we're not careful, it's not going to be a game that a lot of us are going to recognize in the future. I understand what you're saying, but you mentioned Pete Rose, and I hate to change subjects like this, but Pete is, I think he just turned 80 years old, if I'm not mistaken. You're correct. Yeah, and we all have, you know, one of the most, the laziest topic in sports talk radio, Pete Rose, Hall of Fame, give us a call. You know, that's, if you have nothing to talk about, that's a good topic to put out there, and people will (laughs) always be fired up about that. So I have to ask you, Doug Flynn, former teammate of Pete Rose, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Brad, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Pete introduced me to my wife. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. So you're biased a little bit, yes. No, I'm not biased at all. I I love Pete Rose. I mean, 39 years I've been married to the most beautiful woman in the world. Amen. And and Pete set me up. Here's what I think. Was he a Hall of Fame player? Absolutely. But I would love to see Pete do some kind of press conference. And and I – he and I've had this discussion 20 years ago. Uh, come out and say, look, to my friends, my fans, and my family, I made a mistake, and I'm sorry. And don't say, but look what so-and-so did. He's in the Hall of Fame. So just come up and own up to it. If he did that and left it at that, he'd be in the Hall of Fame tomorrow. But that's a tough thing for Pete to do. I mean, if you know him, he's a competitor, and uh, – People and, and I'll tell you what, I'm in the minority now when I say that I think he owes an apology, and until then, he does not go into the Hall of Fame. The sad part would be about if something happens to him the next year and they put him in after he's gone away, that's yep. going to be sad. So, I and you know, and has he paid enough time? Probably. He probably has, you know, he's paid his penalty, but it'd be nice to see Pete just come out and show just a hair of remorse. And I think, I think he may do that if somebody were to push him on it. If he had done that in 1989, just said, hey, this, I'm sorry. Hall of Fame. You think so? Yep. Yep. And I mean, 
But you look back during the steroid era, and you look at the guys that tried to alibi and say, well, we didn't do this, or, you know, well, they basically lied. And then you take a guy like, was it Andy Pettit, or came right out and said, yeah, we, that is something. And then Andy went ahead and got back into the game. And, you know, it's, if, you're gonna, if you make a mistake, uh, th- then own up to it. And this is a very forgiving society, but, and we all make mistakes. So, you know, I, I, I just I love Pete. I mean, I had dinner with him a month or so ago up in Cincinnati, and he's a wonderful friend and not anybody better to my family uh, than he and Johnny were. So uh, I, I'd love to see him going there. And plus, you know, they said Johnny and those guys, they didn't get along. They want him in the Hall of Fame, too, because you look back on that ball club. If you put Pete in there, then you got Pete and Joe and Johnny and Sparky and Tony and Davey may go in with the Veterans Committee. So, shoot, you got a whole team full of Hall of Famers. You mentioned Pete and Johnny. Was Johnny, and you know, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, it, was Johnny kind of bitter at Pete? Because when he went into the Hall of Fame, it was right during the, the whole Pete Rose thing. And, you know, why are you asking me questions about Pete Rose? This is about me. But, you know, if everything that Johnny Bench got when he went to the Hall of Fame that year, it was all about Pete Rose. It was the biggest story in, in America that time. Well, and I think that's another thing because Johnny and Joe Morgan were really trying to get Pete in. And then when Pete shows up at one of the Hall of Fame, uh, I think it was the Eckersley Ventura, or who did he go in? Who did Eckersley go in with? So anyway, Paul Molitor. When okay. they went in, Pete showed up and did a book signing. And that took, and Johnny and them had gone to bat for Pete. You know, they, yeah, there was differences. There was not on the field. Because we had the four leaders, and in the locker room, Johnny and Joe, Pete and Tony would sit there and just hammer each other. And then if anybody else jumped in, the four of them would turn on them. They had such respect for each other as ball players. Off the field was a little different. They, some of them went their different ways. But I think when it came time to the baseball part of it, they respected each other. They loved each other. They knew that the, to be successful, all of those parts had to be working together, and it did. Uh, so I think it got to be a point where Johnny did go to bat for Pete, but Pete just didn't help himself in that era. You talk about the big four on the Reds at that time. How much, you know, when after the 76 season they swept, you guys swept the Yankees four straight, and then Tony Perez leaves because they think, okay, well, Dan Dreesen can do what Tony Perez was doing, maybe a lot cheaper, and that's why we can get rid of Perez. Do you think that really – cost the Reds that much going forward after that trade? Absolutely it did. Uh, Danny was a good player, but what Tony brought to the club was far beyond those 90 RBIs that he, you knew he was going to get every year. Uh, he was part of that leadership of that ball club. And I don't think it had to do with money. I think it more or less had to do with, well, we're going to have to get rid of Danny. Tony's getting a little bit older, so if we have to get rid of Danny Dreesen uh, and Tony doesn't come through and perform, uh, then we're going to be left without a legitimate first baseman over there. Danny was a good player. He's a good hitter and uh, had and was a really good defensive player. But what Tony brought was that leadership to our Latin guys. Uh, you know, he and Davey were so close that uh, it's hard. What they brought, you can't teach. It was just leadership that just happened to be there with those four. And the rest of us followed suit. If you're going to keep your hair short, those guys did it, so we did it. If you can't yank up your stirrups on your socks, those guys wore them low, we'll wear them low. So everything they did was for the benefit of the ball club. And, and you know, talking about a blessing, 
to be up there and be around those guys for a couple of years, wow. Yeah. You mentioned him earlier. We talk about analytics and how we're so driven by numbers today. Dave Concepcion, Hall of Fame, yes or no? Yes. Should be? Yes, I think. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, he's got how many gold, If Ozzy's not around, how many gold gloves does Davey have? He's got yeah. all of them. Yeah. So, yeah, if I think if you're the best player at your position in your era, then you definitely need to be in the Hall of Fame or considered like uh, Keith Hernandez. He changed the whole way. He's got, what, 10, yes. 11 gold gloves? Mm-hmm. He changed the way first base is played. Why is Keith, you know, to me, Keith Hernandez is a Hall of Famer. He's on a couple of world championship teams. He was a leader on the team. He could hit. You know, why is he not in the Hall of Fame? ESPN Radio 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor here with Doug Flynn. Remember the big red machine from back in the day? We're talking about Hall of Fame. Let's go to a little more modern. There's a current player on the Reds, Joey Votto, one of the all-time leaders in on-base percentage. But there's a lot of people, I've never seen a player in Cincinnati that was so good that the media was kind of like, eh, he's okay, I guess. Uh, I wish he'd drive in more runs. I wish he wouldn't walk so much. Your thoughts on Joey Votto, his legacy, and his chances for the Hall of Fame? Oh, man. You know I'm going to get calls, whatever I say on this thing. <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to do here. We are the, we're the cheap shot show here on ESPN Radio. So, yeah, anything goes here. I won't take any cheap shots at anybody, but in my opinion right now, he is, he's not a Hall of Famer right now. Why I not? I don't think so. Why not? Well, I just, uh, you know, there's there's a couple of different parts of the game. I, I think Hall of Famers, when you look at guys that can do, you know, it's more than just hitting uh, and, and more than just getting on base. Uh, it's To me, a Hall of Famer has a lot to do with playing both sides of the, of the game, the offense and the defense. And uh, I'm just, I, you know, to me, he's just not a Hall of Famer. I mean, he may, in, in the eyes of a lot of people, I'm sure he is. And, you know, some of his numbers are outstanding. But uh, I don't know. It's just, you ask me if I think he is, I say no. <laughs> I understand that. But, I mean, you know, and one year he actually won a gold glove, which was one of the most amazing things I ever saw. I'm like, how does he win a gold glove? Yes. I know. I don't. I, I don't. That's a good question. <laughs> would Would you still feel the same way about him if he didn't have that huge contract that he has? Because he's, you know, making twenty oh, plus is, million dollars a year. Ah, uh, that's got nothing to do with it. I'm I'm one of the dummies that went on strike a few years ago, so these guys could make a lot of money. So <laughs> that's never really bothered me about that. You know, and people say, "What would you be making now?" It doesn't matter. What would Mays be making or Bench or any of those guys? You know, they'd be making a gazillion dollars. Uh, and, and I've never, uh, in all my years, let that get in the way of what I think about a player. Uh, I would rather a player have a little more respect for the game today, and I think that's lost on a lot of these guys, that they don't respect who came before them and, and the prices and sacrifices that were made so that they were able to make that kind of money. Uh, and, and probably the guys that came before me thought the same thing about us. You know, because they weren't making anything. When we went on strike in 1980, they had a lot of the veterans like Early Wynn and Bob Feller, and some of those guys were getting all over us. Thought that we were very greedy, and we were saying, guys, hush, we're trying to get more money for you all. It was about free agency. It was about the health plan. It was about the pension plan. And, you know, if you got free agency alive, then there's always going to be the money there because somebody is a Ted Turner or some of those guys were George Steinbrenner. 
they were always going to pay the money to the best players. He's Doug Flynn, ladies and gentlemen. We could sit here and talk about this stuff all day. We've only got so much time. <laughs> Doug, tell us about uh, what you've got going on with the Children's Charity and uh, what you've got down in Atlanta and where we can find you on social media and the website so we can find your information. Well, Brad, I appreciate that. It's great being on the show. Uh, you can't find me on social media because I'm not on it. Um, <laughs> you're, you're smarter than the rest of us. I can promise you that. I, and I haven't missed it a bit. I made a choice about eight months, you know, probably close to a year ago now. I made a choice to get off of social media because I was fighting too much with everybody. And, you know, one thing about getting older, you lose your filter. You don't mind having Oh, I, I, I understand that. I'm getting that way myself, yes. So, but I've got a lot of cool things. I've been very blessed and to work with uh, Johnny and I do a couple of things for a charity called Hope for the Warriors uh, that we go to Camp Lejeune. We've been to Washington, and uh, we're going to Atlanta to do a deal. You can pull it up. It's really a cool deal. We're helping our military families. And then Children's Charity, year 41, uh, we're hoping that we can, you know, make it successful, even though the format's changed a little bit, but. Thanks to Johnny and Matthew and our wonderful board and staff, we're going to hopefully give away a half a million dollars to young people around this uh, community. So I'm, I'm doing, I'm good, man. Fishing is hey, it's a great time to be fishing. The fish are biting, and uh, I'm going to spend as much time as I can doing that, calling a little college baseball game for Kentucky, and uh, I, life is good. Life is good. They, I turned 70 last week, so you know, I hope 70 is the new. I don't know. Some mornings feel 70 is a new 80. I'm not sure what. <laughs> Amen it to is. that. He's living his best life now. He's Doug Flynn. Doug, thank you so much for joining us here on The Bottom Line. We hope we can have you back on in a few weeks, talk a little more baseball. You know you can, Brad. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. ESPN Radio, 1,300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Presented by Stable Duel. We want to thank Doug Flynn, who uh, took about 20 minutes out of his day to uh, come on the show. We really appreciate that. But during that interview, uh, apparently everything has happened. Number one, Reds and Cleveland postponed today. So uh, if you're if you were getting some action, like we're going to try to get on Cleveland, eh, you might want to get you might want to stop that before you do anything. There will be no baseball game today, Reds and Cleveland. But uh, they've got seven road games coming up. They're headed to Pittsburgh after this, and then to Colorado. Uh, for, so if you fantasy players out there, make sure you get your Reds in your lineup next week because they'll be hitting the uh, the thin air of Colorado, not like the good old days pre-Humidor. But, uh, yeah, uh, look for some offense this week for the Reds. And believe me, some of those guys need it. That's uh, I'm talking about you, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, another thing that happened while we were uh, talking to Doug Flynn, uh, Medina Spirit has been stripped of the Kentucky Derby crown. Apparently they found... Uh, drugs in his system, and Bob Baffert is irate, saying he's going to fight this to the very end. Uh, so now the only thing we have to ask is, do I have to pay Miss Judy that three thousand uh, dollar trifecta that I owe her if they take Bedina uh, Spirit down? Hey, this might be the best Mother's Day gift ever for me. <laughs> I don't have to pay that ticket if they. Uh, does that mean Mandaloon is now your winner? All kinds of chaos and anarchy. That's what we like. Uh, yes, Bedina uh, Spirit stripped of the. Kentucky Derby Championship for testing positive during a drug test. So all kinds of stuff happening today. But we do thank you for uh, joining us here on the bottom line. If you'd like to email us, email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at bottomlinelex. We thank you so much for listening. Happy Mother's Day to you and yours. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours. <laughs>